0: Hello and welcome to the Bubble Ball Podcast. My name is Steph Nevsky and with me through the Power Zoom is my co-host Matthew Winnick. Matt, how's it going?
1: It's going pretty well. I mean the NBA season's in full swing and we've started to sort of get a grasp on players that we haven't seen before whether it's rookies or players that have changed teams or players that are in new roles and like I mentioned the rookies are kind of what we're going to be speaking about today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and joining us today to talk about it is Jay Alman. He makes great video content for The Ringer. Thank you so much
2: for coming on. It is my pleasure. Happy that you guys would have me. I was noticing your jersey collection back here that you got hanging up. Uh, You got a little Michael Red action, I see. Yeah, Dennis
1: Smith Jr. on on, uh, NC State was a go-to for me because I can't really throw him with him being on the Knicks, given the fact that he's played pretty poorly, but I can at least appreciate him in college. Oh so that's NC state. Okay. Yeah, All that right. that that red and white there is a uh, is NC Oh, state. and look at that. Oh, is that a okay. All right. I know an yeah. retro. We got Dennis Smith. We've got we've got a little bit of everything. I like to I also have in my closet not hung up an Anthony Davis Kentucky jersey. So sweet. We got some okay. uh, some Big Blue Nation representing here as well. You but didn't you know, hang that up for me before I came I on. I should have thought about offended. it, but you know what? It, it didn't come to
2: mind. But I at least I remembered that I had it.
1: Yeah, see, I got
2: a signed ball here. This is my this is my little shrine of nostalgia from my childhood. Dream team puzzle here. Very nice. nice. Not a hard item to get a hold of. Anyway, I'll, I'll, sorry to derail your show already. I'm bad about that. No, no, it's, no it's all no good.
0: Problem. Fun fact, <laughs> I've never bought a jersey in my life. I have only received jerseys from bar mitzvahs in my youth. So it's been a while
2: since I've gotten a jersey. Gotta love it. We are past 13 years old. That is true. Mm-hmm, I haven't so. got one since like one to play in since probably yeah, since I was eighteen. And then uh actually I played it like I, I played in some pickup games at like some kind of like fantasy charity thing. It was at Kentucky actually, and they gave us jerseys. I was just like, God no. There's a there's a point as a grown man unless you're just absolutely ripped where you just should not be you should not be putting on a jersey.
0: Yeah. So.
1: At least without a, a long sleeve <laughs> shirt
0: underneath or something like that. Sweater, you know, hoodie. Yeah, exactly. Th- I think there should be a PSA for that, now that I think about it. Just, yeah, the amount of out of shape people wearing jerseys in the streets. Let's get to sketching. <laughs> Anyways, let's go Let's go through some rookies. Uh, yeah, so today we've decided to break down uh, who me and Matt consider uh, the three most impressive and disappointing rookies. We didn't really pick anyone in the top three or didn't really at all. Uh, so I, I think before we get into those, you know, six choices, I think we should go through kind of why we didn't put him there because I think even though like Edwards, Wiseman and um, Ball have not had like ironclad seasons by any stretch, they've kind of done what I've expected them to do.
1: Yeah and they've, they've shown flashes really where they have had some inconsistencies especially LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards where there are games where you can see that LaMelo is going to struggle to score on a frequent basis and you see that Anthony Edwards is going to struggle with efficiency off of the bat but then you see some flashes where that's where you expected them to get to eventually. And you're seeing that in three, four five minute spans where it's tough to be overly impressed or disappointed with them. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I'd have to agree there. What do you think?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think I'd include uh, Wiseman in there and just the fact that really, really what you want to see is, you know, rookies can't really be judged all on the same level because some rookies come in to teams where a uh, culture plays a, plays a role here I mean a a player could come into a a team with a wide open no direction kind of a culture situation and get over enabled I mean we've seen that Um, I mean like er early Dennis Smith was a little bit like that honestly Um, not to hit on him too hard but the less you know freedom he has the better in my opinion Uh, and then you get guys that come in on good teams that have diminished roles and I kind of look for adaptability is a word that I look for and use a lot is that, um, you know, you're not going to be able to put up raw stats every single time the types of shots you're not, you're going to be able to get, aren't going to be the exact same time. So it's like, how well do guys adapt to the speed of the NBA game? Cause some of these guys are like 18 years old. You know, most of the top players are leveling up twice in a span of like 18 months. Um, that's insane. Like that is really difficult. It's really difficult, number one, just to, to level up from the high school level to college because the schemes just, they deepen and get more sophisticated. Players are smarter. You're going to have to defend later into the shot clock. And some of these guys just literally don't have the attention span to focus, much less know the concepts for that amount of time. So you kind of just kind of have to watch how guys learn. That's why I would kind of consider throwing Wiseman into this group. Wiseman was a guy that I was sort of, Started out really high on him in high school. I was just like, this guy's a star. You know, as I got watching more of him in EYBL and in his, you know, very, very limited time at Memphis, I was like, I'm not so sure. Uh, I've been really encouraged. Uh, And if you really want to think about who's the best possible uh, mentor for a guy like him, it's Draymond. I mean, a guy that doesn't really talk on the court like Wiseman, you know, and I've been paying really close attention to his body language because I'm doing something on Draymond right now. and. Yeah, I've been really impressed with him. Lamello, like you said, I agree, totally just inefficient. I mean, he's just gonna, he's going to have these wild up and ups and downs. That's so just kind of the, the Lamello experience. but uh, that's probably the main guy that I would include. Edwards, same kind of thing, natural gifts. Um, how he's uh, to me, the longer kind of question with him is, does that trio work long term? Uh, and my gut reaction is no. Uh, uh, the, 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 just the core. I, I honestly don't know that the Cat D'Angelo core is going to work. Period. Uh, they're a really odd pairing. Uh, that's just my surface level kind of observation. So.
0: Yeah, the Wiseman's one, the Wiseman one is weird. Just because I think he's been a good player, but I was discussing with Matthew. It's like it's weird when you get someone like so tall, so athletic, and so strong who shoots like forty-seven percent from two. I think it's more because they're just enabling him to take some weird long twos. But at the same time, yeah, he's been he's been good for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah I no think goes. his face-up game has potential. Honestly, I've I've thought that for a while. I mean, he's the type of guy he's never going to dribble shoot probably mm-hmm. in his life. Um, he's he's the type of guy that, though that I think you know, feet planted, top of the key. I could see him shooting low thirties at some point. I mean, he's not going to be like a total train wreck, and you're not going to be hunting them with him. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm more encouraged with him than I have been in a, in a little bit.
0: Yeah, he's definitely shown flashes. Do you want to get right into our three impressives? Let's do it. Okay, so I think we should probably order this just where they were drafted. I think that that's probably the best way to go about it. And uh, so first one in this category, Patrick Williams. Right now he's averaging 10-3-1, 47% from deep on meh, two attempts per game, a block a game and eight games, so really eight blocks. I'm not sure what to make of that, but he definitely seems like someone who could fill in a role of, you know, a weak side shot blocker. And 57% true shooting. I'd say he kind of reminds me, and he might not be the only Raps comparison uh, on this podcast, but as like rookie or OG, where like he's not the biggest attempt guy, but at the same time, he plays some solid defense, especially for a rookie, defending multiple positions with his size, and he can knock down the occasional shot. I do expect 47% to dip, though, because, you know, almost no one shoots that
1: yeah and i think a lot of people were sort of questioning that pick at number four overall given that he didn't even start at florida state but if you looked at him in college and you looked at him now i think that the idea of him coming in and and just being an elite not maybe not elite quite yet but just a role player and knowing what he has to do to win and and being effective in his spots whether it's the occasional spot up three or it's his long wingspan playing perimeter defense or being able to be switchable onto different positions I think that if you, if you draft him at four overall, you're expecting him to get all of those things done, and, and I think he's kind of checked all of those boxes. He hasn't shown anything, you know, above ordinary or super amazing, but what he has done is shown that he has the tools to at least be a baseline NBA role player from day one at a young age where he has the, the physical gifts and the time to build into something perhaps more. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and every draft's different, you know. Some years at number four, if you can get a rotation quality player. You know, it's it, people underrate the fact that just quality rotational dependable players are not – Easy to come by, you know. It's it's a it's a difficult thing to get somebody who consistently won't give up more than they produce, you know. And that's that's kind of a real thing. And I think I think that Pat, like you said, you totally agree. Yeah, I mean, like his his baseline has been. I was kind of physically. He kind of reminds me of sort of an amalgam of, um, you know, a little bit of kind of Marvin Williams, um, some. I used to think he kind of reminded me of the Morris Twins a little bit, like just a physical guy. But I think that he has some low-level playmaking kind of abilities, like first-level reads is kind of what I call him. Like I don't think that he's going to be like manipulating and playmaking. But you're right about the weak side shot blocking. I mean, his timing, his strength. Uh, he closes on the ball really quickly. Um, that's that's something that really jumped out about him at Florida State. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his his appetite to learn to defend – to me, is probably the most attractive thing about him as a player right now because you just don't hear that from young players that frequently. Right, yeah, for, for sure. Th- and then when you're
1: talking about things that you're you're going to sort of bet on a player, we're talking about betting on a prospect, you're betting that his appetite to learn, his attitude is going to stay strong, that, I mean, you're betting that his his physical tools at a young age improve into something, perhaps a little bit of dribble creation moving forward. And I think that those are relatively safe bets, like you mentioned, given every draft is different and there weren't necessarily any any, any above-average superstar potential players at four, given the fact that the sort of potential guys, quote-unquote, were picked one through three.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard some knocks on him, uh, you know, before his, quote-unquote, NBA career, which now spans eight games, but that, you know, he was more of a long-term four, couldn't defend, you know, point guard, shooting guard, small forwards. I've been impressed, and this might seem kind of mad just by itself, but at the same time, he is a rookie, and those were concerns that people had about him. Uh, 68th percentile uh, pick-and-roll ball-handling defender. So I think that that says, uh, you know, enough about his ability to defend guards. And this may have been premature, but, like, he did steal Porter's starting spot in, like, the preseason, which I still think Porter's the way better player. You know, he's a proven 3 and D guy. But, I mean, Williams has proven to be a very good player. I've also been impressed about his uh, mid-range jumper. I think he's knocking that down right now at around 44%. He's still kind of a mess on drives, opts for a lot of awkward-looking floaters. But, like, I, I think he has potential there uh, in the future. So, I think he's, he's impressed. And, like I said, I see a lot of, you know, rookie OG in there in terms of just low attempts, but he's not going to make any glaring mistakes.
2: Yeah, he, he kind of lacks – one of the things that jumped out at me was uh, his lower body flux. I wasn't totally in love with him when I was watching him. I kind of wondered if he would have the lateral foot speed or north north south foot speed to keep up with ball handlers, like you said. But uh, he's he's the type of guy that I, th- I think eventually could be good enough, you know. But uh, and and the dribble shooting too, yeah, definitely definitely one of his strengths. Um, I don't know. I don't really have him as like a like a star. I really kind of have his. I was a little lower than other people on him. I kind of have him staying in that kind of just like good role player. But like we said, you know, those are hard to come by.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. And really, he showed me more out of the gate or it's it's way early. I feel kind of, you know, like I shouldn't be judging him this quick, but like I kind of had him as okay. they're probably taking him as a project with his build, you know, uh, didn't really show that much polish, but it's looking pretty good so far. Do you want to move on to number 12 in the draft? I guess he's Mr. Polish. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton right now averaging 11-2-4. It's five games, so, you know, less of a sample than everyone else, but still Uh, 53-50-88. That's not going to stay, but that's, you know, pretty impressive. 70.6% true shooting. And right now to get into like the really – not even really advanced, but just, you know, basketball reference advanced, quote-unquote, stuff. Four box plus minus, 0.8 defensive box plus minus. I'm not really sure if people saw him as like a plus defender out of the gate, but he's shown that. And he's just confident. I made a joke about this to Matthew last time, how in a way like he should be given the moniker, like Tyrese Halliburton Alexander being that, you know, I feel like he's gotten at least pre NBA, a lot of like Nikhil Alexander Walker comparisons and Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, comparison. So maybe he's another secret cousin.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he always kind of reminded me of a cross between, uh, I mean, there's some Shea in there. I, he he kind of reminds me of, you guys seem like you're a little younger, but like Sean Livingston before, mm-hmm. before he, uh, that's who I kept comparing him to. It's like you don't see him as like a totally pure point guard, but like the thing that. The thing that he's unorthodox, like you said, 70, 70% true shooting is just freaking bonkers. And, and considering his position, like that's something that you're going to get from like a high efficiency around the rim type person that can hit free throws. But that's that's the way he's been like his whole career. And uh, the people that were really paying close attention to him as he climbed up through his development, um, this is, he's con- continued to be this person uh, where and and the thing that I love about him is that you can put low usage on him and he's still going to give you crazy sharing, crazy output, crazy efficiency. He doesn't take stupid shots. Um, he, he just makes little plays. I mean, I've been really impressed watching him run pick and roll and the sky's the limit for him on that front. And, and the shot is funny, but it's not slow and it goes in. So. Mm-hmm. Matt, yeah. any word on that? I think you made a great
1: point there talking about, like, if, if you watched him play before you get to the NBA, it makes sense. Even before Iowa State is two years there, where he was in Team USA's development system for a while, and he played with a lot of really great players, and you could see him, like, if you watch some of those highlights, seeing him blend with the other stars and sort of find his spots in the, on the floor and just really high IQ plays at, at such a young age. And I think that's really translated over to where he's sort of Meshed, and it's also really interesting seeing how the fourth quarter seems to be his best quarter. Obviously, in such a short period of time, but he really sort of picks his spots. He he learns the game as the game is going on, and I just think for him to have that IQ at at such a young age, along with the physical tools that he possesses, is it's only going to be a positive for his development moving forward.
0: So, how long before he takes Buddy Heald's starting spot, and then you know, Buddy well, Heald's just going to say, yeah, Luke Walton's text because. He's really, really competent, Uh, as I've said. A stat that really stuck out to me is, like, with players who have had 20 or more drives this season, he's the highest in assist percentage, and it's by a pretty substantial margin, which especially coming from a rookie who, like, he can play point guard, but he's not a point guard. I found that very impressive. He's making a bunch of different types of passes as well, and they're mostly pinpoint. Like, he's been, you know, passing it to the corners in the pick and roll, which is already pretty elite stuff, when it comes to some of the other rookies, especially. Great drop-offs to bigs. Uh, he's hit the roll man uh, a few times in very good ways. Uh, Holmes, I've seen a couple. Robinson, I've seen a few as well. When Robinson rolls, which is actually looking pretty good. And, you know, great off-ball passer. So he can make that swing pass, and it'll be hard, and it'll be on point.
2: Yeah, off-ball passers are massively valuable today. I mean, every every team that has a star, you really need to – supplement. You, you... Basically, just need to have offensive and defensive flexibility as much as you can. And today, and you know, off ball because you hit a wall at some point if you depend heavily on a on a, st- on a star. You know, we've seen that with Giannis. We've seen that LeBron earlier in his career. Luca's gonna hit that wall at some point. You know, things like that. So you gotta, and that's why guys like Halbert, who honestly seems like he could give a rip about being a star. He really doesn't care about his role. He just thinks the game uh, at a level that is uh, beyond his years. So yeah, I'm. I've, long-time big fan of his so I think he probably should have gone like number two in the draft honestly I
0: mean apparently he wanted to go to the Kings for whatever reason like you know the stories about him wanting to drop
2: who knows why you would want to go to Sacramento but that's his business right I
1: think hey if he, if, if he can become successful on his rookie contract in Sacramento then he's in, in a category of very few so let's <laughs> let's see if he actually makes good
0: on that
2: lately mm-hmm. yeah it's very true
0: couple more numbers here, 98th percentile uh, pick and roll ball handler as a rookie, pretty great. 94th percentile pick and roll ball handling defender. I'm not sure if I believe that necessarily, but like I said, he's shown to be a solid enough defender at the NBA level, level so far. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think this is someone who's going to be in the NBA for a very long time and he's proven to be very good. And I, I'm, I don't think it's crazy that you think he should go to, or he should have went to. Uh, do you want to move to the third guy on our list? Peyton Pritchard, I forget where he went, probably should have up. I think 20, Oregon. No, Oregon. no, I mean in the draft. Oh, 26? Yeah, something like that. Uh, he's been a very, very good shooter, 9-2-3, and 1.4 steals a game, which is actually pretty good, especially for the minutes he's played. Uh, splits of 54, 42, 88, 64% for shooting, 0. 0.7 DBPM, which I guess comes with the 1.4 steals a game. He's taking a lot of deep threes, like some, you know, near logo. I'd say some pull-ups, some step-backs. So he's a lot in his bag in terms of that. And if you're as good a shooter as, as he's shown to be so far, you'll be in the league. Uh, I still think that there are problems. Uh, for example, like they're playing him a lot at shooting guard, even though it's probably a long-term point guard, because he's had a lot of bad turnovers, specifically a lot of bad passes. Uh, and I think that they trust, you know, a guy like Teague to run the point with him at shooting guard instead of just handing him the reins, which is why they started Tremont Waters at point guard against the Raptors the other day uh, when Marcus Smart wasn't available. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, trust Marcus Smart at point guard, but not Peyton Pritchard? Whatever. That's that's beside the point. Uh, I, I think Peyton Pritchard, just with the shooting, like that's a very good player.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of draft stock is played into potential, into youth, into measurements and, all it took was watching Peyton, Peyton Pritchard for four years to understand that as a backup point guard on a good team, this is exactly the type of, of game that he he was able to provide, knowing that you know he has hit a bunch of deep threes, but he also, coming to my mind off the top of my head, is the deep three he hit at, at Washington last season in college, where he shut up an entire uh, a swarm of fans to, to give Oregon a, a much-needed win in college basketball. And he's taken a team to the elite eight and he's played on four really solid teams in a row in college. He was a, the best player in Oregon in high school, if I'm not mistaken. He won that award there. And when you have some of that as a progression of winning and a progression of success and a progression of, of effectiveness, when you put them into a role that fits their game, it's typically someone who I'm going to want to bet on
2: personally mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with, with him, I, I don't think that it matters totally that if, Within Boston's offense, I don't totally think it matters if he's playing point guard because they have enough offense coming from elsewhere that that it's not going to be they're not going to be totally depending on him to like just pound the ball and create offense. This idea that people have had in the past, I think within the offense he can pass, dribble, shoot, and and that's that's something that I think is simple but we overlook. And I think we've seen a trend in recent years with guys like Fred. Van Bleet and uh, Malachi Flynn and just uh, these guys that, that can do that, that have been proven, that are winners. I think is just that Pritchard's personality as player. See it. I mean, he's a, he's a competitive guy. Um, I mean, I, Kimba's out right now, if I, I haven't checked in on this. Isn't he out mm-hmm. right now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's probably stemming the tide a little bit here, playing more. Uh, you know, I don't think – I don't know that he's going to continue averaging 23 – per game maybe he will but the good thing about the Celtics is that I think that he has the right amount of runway uh, to come along in a way that's appropriate for kind of what he needs and what the Celtics need from him so it's a good fit
0: yeah he's a he's really impressed me you know in how he's gotten those steals in terms of you know um, reading the passing lanes and stuff like that like he he really gets in there and, you know, you said Fred Van Vliet. I see those vibes. Something that Van Vliet never did is a 65% driver on 2.5 field goal attempts on drives a game. That's not going to stay. Just on his size alone, it can't stay. But it's weird. And I guess it's notable because it's weird. So, and also, like I said, a lot of the bad turnovers, it's not just bad passes. Some of them have come, you know, he's trying to get into the teeth of the, of the defense and just loses it that way as well. So, uh, like, I think the he's...
2: timing of the NBA... Can- Take a little bit to get used to okay. mm-hmm. for some of these guards it's really hard. <clears throat> hard on I got choked up there thinking about Peyton Pritchard uh it's it really happens. hard on guards I mean it just just because you know the the way the information you're you're the point of attack and information is flowing in you and you're you're having to read more so um I, I think it's I think it's okay I, I think in the early, especially in the early goings, he's being thrown to the wolves. This is great for him. So, but sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think he'll stick in the rotation actually, which I'm not sure if you could say that for many guys past the 20s, uh, you know, in the draft, especially this early on, just on his shooting alone. Like, I think that's pretty real. I'm not sure if 42% is real, but 38% could be real. And with some of the other things that he brings to the floor, that's a rotation player in a playoff team. So he's no right where he needs to be in that way. No doubt. Anything else? Or should we move to just Let's dis- move on. Let's move on. All right. So I guess this is, I'm not even sure if there's enough sample here to say it's a curse, but curse of the pick seventh point guards who have been handed the reins way too quick and are not really doing anything with it. Cough, cough, Emmanuel Moutier, I think in 2015 that was, but uh Killian Hayes, five, one and four, 28, 25, 50 splits, 33% true shooting. And this might be worse than the league. Have not looked it up, but it might be worse than the league. Negative 13.6, box plus minus. Right now, he's out indefinitely with the torn labrum, so I'm not going to try to be too hard on him. I've also liked some of the shots he's taken, like probably a bit too many floaters compared to just layups. But, I mean, he looks like an NBA player, but just nothing's going in.
1: Yeah, well, we just talked about Peyton Pritchard being in a, having an awesome fit. As of right now, Killian Hayes was not in an awesome fit given the fact that he is starting for a team that is sort of devoid of scoring talent especially in the starting lineup where he had been without a lot of shooting with Jeremy Grant sort of taking on a lead scoring role for the first time in his career and trying to figure that out along with Killian Hayes just being a young guard trying to figure out his game as well and the biggest issue with him coming in is that he wasn't the most explosive the most athletic player just to begin with and so when the defense is able to sort of pinch down a little bit, and he doesn't have that explosive athleticism to, to get to the rim at ease, let's say, it, it kind of all combines into the issues that you're seeing now with the inefficiency.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation, like you said. I mean, the Pistons notoriously put together an extremely odd roster uh, for him. I think in a year where this draft, I think people were really desperately looking for guys with you know, high upside potential, things like that. And people were kind of getting disappointed that there weren't as many. And I think that's why people kept labeling this draft as bad because they were like, well, there aren't any stars. But actually kind of in the middle, like you were talking about, it's unusual for, uh, for a guy picked in the 20s to, to have much of a role. It's like I kind of feel like in this draft there were more guys like that that aren't necessarily going to be stars but are going to be NBA players and hang around. I think people were a little desperate to reach for the players that fit that tier one. And I personally feel like Killian Hayes was in that category. You know, he showed some of those like skills that could scale up, like maybe he could carry a heavy scoring load and do that efficiently. You gotta, you know, you trust the shot at your peril right now. The sample is leaning tough. Um, I don't know what the recovery time on, it's the labrum, right? It's the yeah it's more common a, of a baseball injury, isn't it? I feel like I hear that more in baseball. But um, it's, it, this one's tough to read for me. I, I personally kind of feel like he's going to end up, I don't see him as a star. I just see him in sort of maybe life at some, at some point in his career. Um, you know, the Pistons are desperately looking for direction. Um, so I understand why they took him, um, but he's 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 a big question mark. I really don't know what – there's not a lot to glean because they're figuring out a new roster and you're throwing him into a tough position too. You have to be pretty damn good to overcome those factors. Like you have to be like a Luka type.
0: It's kind of odd to me because he's, you know, kind of a one-two tweener in my opinion, and you look at Pistons personnel and there's someone who will suit him pretty well on the defensive end because Hayes has a lot of trouble – uh, guarding pick and rolls and DeLon right, but the issue is he's not much of a shooter so on the offensive end you're getting killed and if you want someone to space the floor for Hayes because right now outside of this guy like what some of their best rotation shooters are like Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant now but Derek you Rose, know maybe even. I guess but it's like if you start Svee, that'll help him a lot on the offensive end but then you're giving up a lot on defense so you know uh, you referenced roster weirdness I think that that's part of it I still think when you're being gifted as many minutes as he has, like your volume should just be higher. And, you know, I'm not saying volume makes a player, especially as a rookie, but like five, one and four is just so minuscule. And um, I'm not sure kind of because that tweenerness, like you don't, you don't earn the, okay, he'll be your point guard on offense. And he can't be your point guard on defense until you're at a pretty high level. So that's, he kind of needs to get to that level in order to be, a valuable NBA player I'm probably judging him way too hard being that he's played seven games or eight games but like that's how I kind of see it it's a weird sort of tweenerness.
2: yeah it's something to watch too I did a a project on this it's been over a year ago now but was by box plus minus and sort of charted every every all-star and like it was it was a lot of players I took a huge pool of players and charted their BPM progression over the first seven years of their career And uh, I think there were only like three cases where all stars weren't above zero in year two, I think. No, it's MVPs. It's a steep, steep curve. So to look at the sample, I guess I'm trying to avoid the temptation to be like, Oh shit. But uh, yeah, I mean like negative 13.6 is, is tough to start, but you got to just kind of hope that that would low out, you know, maybe after four that might come up considerably. Um, But just throwing that out there, is something to keep an eye on
0: yeah and Matt you said on the last podcast that Hayes has a lot of Barrett to him I kind of see that as well but I still think Barrett probably has more upside
1: well Barrett has more upside being that he was a lot more highly recruited being that he was from North America and he got more looks in bigger situations played for Duke was really awesome there and he's bigger and he's way more athletic but they're similar in the sense that they're both sort of not good enough three-point shooters to depend on their games there, but they're also not necessarily bur- have enough explosion or burst to get to the hoop as a- at a consistent basis either. So they kind of have to be really, really crafty. And I just feel like that takes time and not everyone has the ability, like James Harden, to just not be huge or super athletic
2: and still score in bunches. Mm-hmm. I think and now- your developmental situation plays a lot into that, too. I mean, Barrett was in a situation, like you said, where, you know, he, you guys know this really well. As a Canadian, I mean, he was the, the savior, right, there for a oh, long yeah. time. I remember you, you heard about Barrett when he was like a sophomore in high school. It was like, this is the guy. And then it's like he went and kind of played. I just don't know that he was totally put in developmental situations to, to grow the sort of sensibility on, on court that suits his long-term role in the, in the context of an NBA team. Like to me, I always thought RJ Barrett should be, he should aspire to be like an Iguadala type, like a guy who obviously can, you know, has, he's not nearly this. It's insulting to put them in the same category as athletes, but he, he got put in this role of initiator and I just have never really felt like it was right for him, mm-hmm.
1: you know, so, That's a really interesting way to put it. I mean, as someone who has, like you mentioned, direct his development since, you know, I watched him play when he was in his first year of high school. I, I happened to be at a school where he was, that he was coming and play and I don't want to watch. And he's always kind of been that guy. And if you watch him in there in Canada's massive semifinal upset against the U S and in, in the FIBA world championships, I think in 2018, against some really, really talented American guys, you can see it's, it's just give the ball to RJ, let him sort of, work downhill and get to the hoop and score and that was you're right it it was not the best way for him to sort of learn the ropes versus when you see a lot of these guys that become stars in year two or three they're players that you know might have been late bloomers and had the chance to learn the game from a more fundamental approach rather than just being a 15 year old superstar and savior of of a country so that, that's a good way to put it I, I definitely never thought about that
0: yeah this might be a weird theory that I'm thinking about right now but it's like the amount of high school players how, who have been told that they're stars from like that level and then they you know get these bumps either in the NCAA or when they get to the NBA it's probably even more difficult to adjust than you know how we talk about guys like Carmelo Anthony who had trouble adjusting from star to role player at age what what is he now like 35 so like take that 35 now put it on someone who's 18 19 who has been told like you're the meal ticket you're gonna be a star that's probably tough uh, but yeah it's as a Canadian, I could say uh, RJ was kind of the makeup for Andrew Wiggins, who, by the way, both from Wiggins' hometown, me and Matt. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. yeah. He's our, Man, he's our closest really, thing to a basketball god here.
2: I, I kind of was not doing this, like, full-time or seriously then, but I would watch him, and I, I really thought – I guess maybe I just didn't know enough about him. I don't know. I, I definitely misjudged. I was watching Draymond scream at Wiggins the other night the Warriors that was pretty I mean it's so funny with like the now and like the mic is quiet enough that you could you could like actually hear what he was saying like screaming at him in transition and stuff anyway I feel for Wiggins but yeah I mean it's it's, I agree with you no for sure
1: like when when Wiggins was in high school and he played at Huntington they played a game in Canada in Canada and I came and watched and got his autograph after I'm like this is going to be worth something soon and it still hasn't really materialized but I have it just in case some way things change but Barrett and Wiggins are different players hopefully one For of sure. them are their careers around probably Barrett he's been playing pretty solid so far this season
2: yeah.
0: mm-hmm. but uh now I mentioned it before in terms of like the Moutier comparison here like they don't play anything alike but a guy who wasn't even like say a top three top five guy who was just handed all the possessions like coming out of the gate has that ever worked like you know with these really young point guards like I'm trying to think of occasionally. John Morant,
1: who was like a year and a half he was older two, than his
0: class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also he was pick number. Okay, two. you're to make okay, more saying sense slightly Below the top three. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Not that I can think of. To orchestrate at that level out of the gate, I mean, it's especially if you're heavily score first. You know, Cole's run into this twice now. I mean, North Carolina was. I was trying to be really careful about because like the the narrative on him and like the the discussion got so negative that I was like. Maybe because we do tend to overdo it. I mean, I think we overthought it with Halliburton. I think, you know, it happens all the time every year. But with Wiseman, too. But, I mean, he went to a Carolina team where – and he's a, definitely a shoot-first, primary initiator type guy. And it's funny how you can have the proper initiator, which is something I talk to a lot with some of my friends who are, like, into this development kind of thing. It's like the proper initiator sits somewhere, like, in the middle, like a, like a level – where it's like if, you, if you're not – if you're smaller and you score first and you don't really share well, that doesn't quite work. And if you don't really shoot it super well, that doesn't quite work. So it's like you kind of have to be somewhere in the middle. And I've always felt like Cole really, really liked to dribble shoot, wasn't really a, a terrific sharer, struggled a little bit with, like, finishing against a length at Carolina. But they were such a bad team that it put him in a position to sort of um, amplify some of the, like, big concerns about him. So – with the Magic, you know, I've, I admit I haven't paid super close attention to him. I mean, just looking over some of the numbers, uh, not great, Bob. Uh, but, you know, 41.9 is, isn't great for for a guard who claims to be a shooting, a score-first guard. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, just to get to Cole Anthony's next on the list. Uh, great transition, I that's who way. you're talking
2: about. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, before is Killian Hayes being handed the reins. But, yeah, even Cole Anthony, who – Like, 42% true shooting is really bad. And it almost makes the negative 3.1 box plus minus seem, like, palatable. Because usually, like, that's just even worse. That's, like, near negative 5 BPM. So, like, it's weird because I don't think a lot of the shots Anthony takes are terrible. And I think even with the score first mentality, he's one of the most point guardy, quote unquote, guards in this draft, just with his style. And also, he does get to the rim more than some of these other guards right now is a free throw temp rate is 31%, which isn't bad, especially for a rookie, but yeah, just nothing is falling for him. I think some of that kind of like at North Carolina is he doesn't really have a team that can shoot the ball all that well, but he also can't make those like deep into the teeth of the defense passes that, you know, really separates a lot of great point guards from meh to good point guards even just, and I don't think he'll ever get that because of his size. So like, Could he be a good backup point guard? Yeah, but I think we're far from like he could potentially be a star. I think that that conversation is out the window already.
1: Right. I mean, if you compare him to, if you compare Cole Anthony to Killian Hayes and the third player we'll mention in a minute that I won't spoil, I think that that Cole Anthony definitely has shown me the most positive, even though he hasn't shown much positive in the NBA regular season. He had a couple of decent preseason games and I did watch a lot of, of his games in Carolina, and all, some of his, you know, it's just so rare for someone to play so well in high school, so well in not only high school, but in showcases where he's facing a lot of these players that he went on to be drafted right behind, and he won MVP, I believe, in two separate showcases in his, in his final year of high school. It's just something where he was a little old for his class, but he's also developed for his class in high school, where he didn't really have to work like he worked at Carolina. And even still now in Orlando, you can see that the point guard in him just isn't really prominent. And so you want him to be more of a small off-ball scoring guy, probably off of the bench, which I think if the percentages come around, like the 42% shooting that we've both mentioned is is not probably where he's going to end up. And so maybe if he can just improve that a little bit, be able to be a scorer off the bench is probably where I see a ceiling at. But I also see it as more realistic than a role for the other two guys.
0: But who is that guy? And how valuable is that? Like, that's another
1: you know. question is how valuable is that? I mm-hmm. still think that he can get there in terms of being
2: better than this.
0: That's fair. What do you think?
2: I've always thought of him as, um, which I, I kind of, enraged some people. I remember when I made this comparison <laughs> before, because I think like you were saying, he he people expected him to to do, you know, based players based relative on their class, like where they are relative to their peers. Sometimes that can inflate what people expect from them going forward. But as we said, every class is different. So and this wasn't this past one I, you know, for him, I've always considered him more of a like a DJ Augustine Jared Bayless type, a guy who's going to be around a guy, those guys, and those guys were both, like I said, I feel like I'm quite a bit older than you guys, but those guys were, you know, really, really touted, really, really celebrated high school players that were good and, you know, solid college players too. Uh, But once you get to the NBA, it's like, I say this all the time. um, If you are in that six foot to six, three range, um and you're not like a nuclear athlete and you can kind of shoot that's like one of the most competitive jobs in the basketball world because there are a ton of guys on planet earth um that are in that range that are all coming for you that are all want your job and there's you know there's a ton of those guys in that g league range i would say it's like the top 400 to 500 players in the world like right in there there's a ton of guys like that so but i do think that cole Um, I think he's going to be like those guys like I don't expect to be a superstar I just think he'll kind of hang around in that role you know probably I expect he'll probably change teams that's kind of a hallmark of those guys like he'll change teams a lot put a pin (laughs) in that and hold me to it yeah I remember because you know year by year the need for bench scoring
1: kind of changes per your roster and I think that's kind of why that is is one year a team goes out and says, you know what? I like our chances this year, but we need more scoring off of our bench. And then grab someone like Cole Anthony, or like you said, Jared Bayless, I can remember him being notorious for that and sort of where that fit works. I, I see where you're going with it.
0: And then occasionally they stumble into a starting job and back on that, like tiny point guards that could run an offense semi-effectively, uh, you know, back into that lane, J.J. Barea is out of the league. And he was very J.J. barea last year. Uh, even after the Achilles tear so it's like yeah is he what like trying to think 17 times 30 can't do that math off the top 540 is he one of the 540 best players in the world maybe but there's just no upside there and he keeps getting older so why have him on a roster
2: I think with Borea it was like uh, continuity locker room guy, kind of a thing. I mean, you could see by, I think they didn't, they like reward him with something in some way. I mean, yeah, he's him keep his money. Yeah.
1: They kept his money because they released him after the dead, the the guaranteed deadline day or something like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty tough. If you're, if you're over, I mean the, the slope, if you're a scoring guard post I think it's like 32 I I charted this one time post like 32 years old it's like a cliff like unless you're unless you're just like a really really incredible you know change of pace type like a cp3 type of guy that doesn't rely on cooking people it's kind of like the the clock is really ticking for for Kimba and John Wall and guys like that you gotta have to bring something else to the table so
0: I'm trying to think, like, say Darren Collison doesn't go on missions and retire. Like, how long would he be in the league after that? How old is tr-
2: Darren Collison? He's probably, probably 32, 33. He was in
0: now, the 09 30. draft.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. he's close
1: to my age. Yeah. Uh, His 09 was the love year, and he was teammates with Kevin Love, right? So right. So yep. that probably would have been the year.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's like uh, – I'm trying to think of those guys who are still in. Like, Patty Mills is still – kicking around. Yeah, he, he's finding
1: that he's been awesome too. And killer shooter cool. though and defender. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like Jameer's long gone. And and yeah, like that's that's right. That archetype is pretty easy to find. And a lot of teams would like to take a chance on other guys as it is. So I mean I, I guess we're projecting a long future for Cole Anthony, being that, you know, he's eight games into his career. But maybe that's what he has to look forward to. Temper
1: expectations, and maybe we'll get him off of our disappointment list moving forward quite soon when he's not shooting 42% true shooting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you want to move on to the final one who, I mean, he's really making Anthony look efficient, let's yeah, just say. he really is. 17th overall pick. I get why he was 17th, so I'm, I'm not going to crap on you know him being taken there. But uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, 1-4, 1-1-1 are his uh, averages. 10% from the field. And by the way, I'm rounding up because I like to round up to evens Cause that's what I was taught in data management in grade 12, Uh six per, 6% from three, no free throws on the year, none zero negative 10.4 box plus minus, but positive 1.5 DBPM uh, right now got two stocks a game. I'm trying, I'm going to see how much that is per 36 uh, 4.6. So there you go. I guess when you're long and athletic, that's just, you just kind of stumble into that. But um, i don't know it's like i expected bad but it's very hard to be this bad it's very hard to be 11.9 percent true shooting percentage so like what else what is there to say i like once again i understand taking him 17 i guess a lot of upside relative to other guys taking 17 but
1: like I this is say, if working this was out anybody, worse than bruno
0: so far bruno Koboklo great
1: um I would say that if it was any team other than the Thunder, I would feel even worse about this pick, knowing that the Thunder have so much time to sort of. You always talk about NBA teams on a timeline, quote unquote. Their timeline is just so long, and in the future, that I I get why they took the chance. But also, some some I'm going to call them draft analysts, but really just Twitter draft analysts had them in hmm. like their top five or ten, and were humongous Pogushevsky fans. And for me, like you cannot be seven foot 190 and just be an effective nba player from year one i i know that there wasn't really a draft and stash option there but it's just kind of it's gonna only gonna hurt his confidence throwing him out there at at, at an nba body that's clearly just not ready for for minutes yet and what comes to my mind a ton is someone like dragon bender who obviously had a whole bunch of other issues but also didn't have an NBA-ready body at a very young age, came in with high expectations, being drafted much higher than Popuszewski, and now he's back in Europe already. So it's obviously a different scenario, but all things considered, I just don't think he should be playing minutes right now, regardless of what the Thunder are trying to do in terms of
2: seeing what pieces they have for the future. Yeah, i pondered this a lot. Is it, is it bad to throw a young player into a situation... Um, like you said, they could lose their confidence. I kind of wondered about that with like early. Iha was pretty pretty blatantly terrible with like Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is where Dragan Bender is now. Yeah, but um, yeah, and with Poku, I think it serves a lot of different purposes. Number one, you want to talk about confident. He is. Off the charts insane, irrational confident, like there's something he's just on another level. I always tell people he's he's looking like the Tyler hero category of confident, like rattle that kid uh he probably believes hasn't made a mistake all year, like he's that type of guy like but it's he's i also see throwing him out there and giving i think that he needs to be with the top club, like he's a guy that needs to learn the pro game, kind of get some cold water splashed on his face a little bit. Uh, and then it also serves the thunder to just kind of like hey if he stinks what do we have to lose you know it's like i mean i'm I mean, i'm sure they're not going to throw crazy minutes at him as we go i've seen him shoot enough i was one of the people that was a big fan of him i talked to the you know i have a few friends that are kind of in the nba that are doing this now they all are kind of encouraged still not really i, I think people expected this i think that's kind of the takeaway if we there's definitely a threshold where um you know I've <laughs> I do think that we're gonna get to a point where you could use him as like an off screen um pulling gravity type I'm not gonna say Duncan Robinson, but he could be that type of guy like based speed and his size and the speed of his shot. You just got to get his body in the right place you got to get him learning nba schemes you got to get him and like you said he's disruptive naturally defensively which to me is always a good sign like if you just kind of have that natural ability um i'm not as pessimistic as you guys it sounds like but i mean there's no denying he's just been abhorrently horrible um i saw him throw a pass off the backboard this morning i was just like what is he even doing um, but I mean, this is a long play with him. So, and he should be a freshman in college right now. So, right.
1: I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I think it's probably partially because I wasn't super high on him before he decided not decided before he started shooting so poorly. And and I get what you're saying about him sort of being that that three point shooter, gravity wise, just him being so big and quick enough that it's going to be really hard to close out on him. And I guess it, it, it's going to take time. But my question is, what can he develop his body into? Obviously, he's young. And he has time but we found that some people even under nba regimes that we've tried to put on significant size and and mass just haven't been able to do that and i don't think we know and it's all speculation about whether he's able to do so and you know best case scenario he is able to he just has to be competent in terms of banging down low for him to have a role moving
2: forward and the hope is he gets there yeah i mean how often do you uh, for me the upside was i would like the role that i envisioned for him was like that 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 type of mobile shooter that you could run run off screens but how i i eventually think that he could be a weak side rim protector like uh you know go go into the volleyball blocker mode and kind of the way michael porter jr does he's pretty pretty good at that actually um i don't know it may not play out may not but at 17 in that draft for the uh, for a guy he was had some of the most volatile you know upside downside in the draft it was worth it, and uh, I don't know. I, I, they have time, and we'll see. It's going to be yeah. fun. I still like to watch him play, whether it's entertaining or if it's bad. Yeah. I think he – you know, it made sense
0: for him to be picked there, and I think it makes more sense than – like, even though I think he's proven even less than this guy so far, but, like, like, Bruno, I thought, made less sense at 20 than him at 17, given kind of the draft and the position of the two franchises at the time. But, like, in my opinion – like there's a difference between okay, he'll be inefficient out of the gate, and just how inefficient he's been, with like you know, like I said, nine point five percent from the field. Is just,
2: <laughs> like, it's, it's just like that's just rough. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I don't know how. I was, yeah, it cannot get worse. I think is the positive there.
0: That's true. It really, but can't. it's also like he's taken five twos uh, in twenty one shots as well. I I get that he you know he projects as a better shooter moving on, but. Like, he's also seven feet, which is kind of weird, you know, attempting five twos and five games. But once again, I, I get the pick. Uh, clearly, he was liked by that front office, which is why they traded Rubio 25 and 28, which on its face does not seem like a great trade, but I understand just with the amount of picks they have, just, you know, letting that happen and get your guy. But, yeah, it's I don't know. Maybe it turns around. Maybe if we're being optimistic here – maybe it turns around and something that kind of benefit a guy like Dragan Bender this, you know, in his very brief NBA career is that we kind of saw him more as a four or five than I think Poku. Most people have him as three, four type right now. So maybe if he does put on the muscle, which, you know, he has very narrow shoulders. So, you know, maybe he just can't, but maybe if he does, he'll move more into that four or five range, which would benefit him. But um, I also wanted to believe like right out of the gate, like I think his first preseason game, he shot it pretty well. And I'm like, damn, Who's gonna work out it's the next Kevin Durant. But uh right. but yeah, it's looking rough so far. Uh, we've ran through our six players. I'm just wondering in terms of like lessons from the impressive and disappointing, is there anything we can learn here in what at the at most eight games a sample for one of these players, or should we just continue watching?
2: You asking me? Uh either of you really. <laughs> I I mean, yeah, continue watching. I mean I we're talking because we like to talk at this point i mean that's that's kind of what you do after eight games and, i mean i'm guilty of this too i'm try, i'm just clawing for any kind of a sample size that could help me prove whatever point i mean you just kind of and especially in a year like this man there's so many factors like uh players not being really ready to play some teams haven't played in like it's been an insane amount of time um So, and some teams just got done playing. Like we were talking about Luca apparently was thrown totally off by the, by the schedule and uh, isn't totally in shape yet. Um, So there are just a ton of things that aren't going to level out. I feel like for a, for a little bit. I mean, so that's kind of where I am right now. Keep an eye on it, but don't freak.
0: Matt, what do you think?
1: No, I totally agree. I think that it's, it's, I mean, we can make our our sort of our little guesses about what's going to happen in the future, but with such a short sample size, things are going to skew both ways. And we'll probably look back on this and see that we
0: made a mistake somewhere where we've ranked these players. I'm sure we have. I think in terms of just how they fit within an offensive and defensive scheme, you could kind of – that's where you could kind of get your – okay, is this a savvy, quote-unquote, NBA player? But, um, but outside of that, yeah, just going into the raw stats themselves, you're going to get tricked. I'm trying to think of recent examples. Like a couple of years ago, Tim Hardaway was like – essentially Ray Allen in his prime for the first, I think like five to eight games. And he wasn't a rookie a rookie then, but you know, and also he's improved since then. But yeah, he's no Ray Allen. So uh, is there anything else either you would like to say? Um, while we have you here, I,
1: I got one quick question about this upcoming draft, which I've been looking a lot towards. I'm a big college basketball fan. And I, I watched your video that you put together, I believe it was last month, sort of highlighting some of the top players in the class. And I think we can pretty much across the board still keep Cade Cunningham at number one, given the fact that he hasn't really shown anything to take that away. But I I think the sort of the race for the second best player in that class is really interesting. Sort of some names to highlight being Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and then the G League Night guys and Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. I'm curious if at this point there's someone who's
2: sort of floating to number two. Uh, I still have Mobley too. Um, I, th- I think that he's, um, you know, varying degree. Your mileage is going to vary on how far you and how high you think he can ascend. I, I think that he definitely could be um, a defensive anchor type in the NBA. And if you can hit threes and you're a defensive anchor type, and um, you know he's he's got great balance, makes good decisions. Somebody would have to be playing pretty freaking well to unseat him at that spot. I know that I have some friends who were talking about him at one I'm not ready to do that but um yeah I mean Suggs for me um I'm not totally sure um I talked a little bit in the video but I don't know what plus plus skill is um and I really am a fan of Zaire Williams we'll see how much he can ascend um just off the top of my head it's been a minute since I even thought about that pool of guys um not really, though, honestly. I don't I don't think anybody's really encroaching number two for me at this point. Yeah. Do you guys – do you have any that you're thinking about? Yeah. I, I mean, I love Mobley at two. I think what he
1: able to do this year sort of in that Onyeko Okongwu, Okongwu role, but just be sort of a freak of nature even more so than we thought Okongwu was last year in terms of what he's able to do with that size. And offensively, I think that his potential is there too. I, I get what you're saying with Suggs if anything his plus plus skill is his feel He just feels like he's always under control when he's on the court and that kind of helps given that he's playing on an awesome college team that fits his skills really really well um off the top of my head i don't think i can go anywhere else but i i do think that there are tons of prospects in this class and you mentioned in your video that are which by the way if someone's listening that has not seen Jake Calman's videos they're they're certainly worth watching on on nba draft prospects and and all other basketball things in between but it, there really are a lot of players in this class where they're so toolsy. like They have so many tools where I think if, if all goes right, there could
0: be some really solid players in this class. I was thinking about just G League. Um, what did they ignite and how we're going to see uh, Amir Johnson on that team? <laughs> a real blast from the past. I was reading that roster. I could be wrong. I may have seen the name, the name Keith Bogans on there as well. So they're what just bringing back
2: coaching. I thought, Co- yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've that's heard that name my, recently.
0: Maybe that's why. So, hold on. That's one of it's my a, old school
2: favorite players, Keith Bogans. You know, another guy that I, I think uh, – a guy that I think could end up being a good NBA player, if not a star, Scotty Barnes. I like a lot. I'm just kind of, yeah. just keeping an eye on him. I mean, because he does everything. I mean, like, he just does so many different things. The Kentucky guys I'm lower on. I have the names in front of me now. Um, yeah, in terms of, like, upside plays, I mean, I think – Jalen Johnson, I've slipped a little bit on him. B.J. Boston, I've slipped. I really like Keon Johnson. Uh, Greg Brown has climbed for me. Um, you know, it's just, just a few off the top of my head. But. Do you think B.J. Boston has sort of slipped enough where you kind of
1: see – obviously very different players, but Isaiah Jackson sort of being a better long-term prospect, are you still kind of riding with Boston despite some of the issues he's had being a scorer? Uh,
2: I, I had an argument a little bit with some of my draft Twitter buddies about this. I just was kind of joking around and I said, he might be the best NBA prospect on the, then you get going with a guy that you like and you're like, mm, you know, maybe i maybe I'm willing to push it this far. That's kind of what I was thinking with Jackson. Jackson offensively is way behind where I thought he was. Um, and I, I kind of, talk to some people around the program a little bit. And that's kind of the vibe I get from them too. It's just that like, consistency is a real struggle for him. And he's learning how to like give consistent effort with Boston. His confidence is shot right now just because uh, he, he strikes me as somebody maybe that has – and maybe entrenched in the workout culture a little bit too much because when I watch him his reactivity is just kind of lagging he doesn't seem to he just seems to want to bull his head down and he needs to get his confidence back in other ways than just shooting 18 footer dribble pull-ups like he used to do it because if you watch Sierra Canyon it was just kind of like what are they really running there was a lot of just kind of my turn your turn stuff going on and he'd just dribble dribble take a shot it's not working in Kentucky he's not really giving effort evenly across the board but I was what I the point I made was him and Clark uh, I, I'm i kind of starting to think that their value isn't going to be pushed too high so somebody could actually end up getting a good deal on them I'm, I'm not I'm higher on Boston than Clark, but um, I don't know we'll see
1: yeah I mean to speak on the two really quickly like some of the drives that Boston had against Vanderbilt yesterday I, I was encouraged by those just getting to the rim and at least using his length and then Isaiah Jackson, like, I don't – some of the free throws that he's taken have just been so ugly to watch. Like, you can see that offensively he's struggling. But I, I think that his his measurables are something to at least keep an eye on.
2: He's a monster. I mean, yeah. he's he's in, like uh, – he's in block percentage territory with, like, Anthony Davis. Like, he's in that stratosphere. He's not as high as all guys, but he's, like, right there uh, in the 13% range. So, yeah, he's, he's a fun player to watch. I if hope only he be- wasn't –
1: if only he was a 6'3 guard in, in 11th grade, then maybe we'd be talking about him a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <Totally. laughs>
1: Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, going through some 2021 questions to go along with the 2020 class that we just spoke about. And, hey, there's a lot of uh, solid players looking to look forward to in the next couple of years in the NBA.
0: Yeah, totally. thank you. Can't wait. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, you know, we got a bit of – extra time with you which was very appreciated so thanks for that no problem and uh i guess thanks for listening to the bubble ball podcast and we'll see you guys next time peace